any Bible apps. And so I encourage you to download one and have that. I love paper. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not. Some studies say you retain more when you read from, from a, an, a literal book, paper. Anyway, for me, it just helps me. I like it. Uh, so I prefer, I prefer a, a paper Bible. But uh, make sure that you bring your Bible. I never want this to become uh, a church. And most importantly, the Lord doesn't want it to become the type of church where uh, nobody has access to the Bible. And we just listen to what the pastor said and just trust him. Right? We need to make sure that we're looking at it too. All right? That's, uh, that's biblical. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 58, please. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's open with prayer this morning. Father, we're so thankful for an opportunity to study your word once again. God, I pray that you would speak to us. Guide me as I speak. I need your help. I pray that if there's one or two in the building that have never yet placed their faith and trust in you for salvation, I pray that today they would do that. Help them to understand how much you love them. Help them to understand the sacrifice of the cross and the victory of the resurrection. Lord, help us to understand today that our faith is rooted and grounded in a risen Savior. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is one of the most frustrating things if you find that you have been scammed. Unfortunately, it's one of these situations nowadays where I really have a hard time answering my phone. Like when you get a phone call and you don't know, like if there's not somebody in your contacts and it's not somebody calling you, most of the time I don't answer the phone, which is difficult because my phone is the church phone number, right? Um, it's so frustrating. We had a friend recently who, uh, again, all of the details are a little bit foggy, but somehow they got this phone call, they answered the phone, they were able to encourage the person and they sounded official enough that they ended up getting on the banking app on their phone while they were on the phone call. And somehow this person had the technology and a way to get them to go into the app and steal their money and their phone was inoperable. They couldn't turn their phone off while they were taking the money out. Very scary and emptied their bank account and had to ask their parents um, for uh, money to live on until they got paid again. Friends of ours, this just happened. Scammed, fake. We hear, uh, we hear, we hear the, the term fake news, right? Not to be political, we don't get political. The fact of the matter is we hate being lied to. There's something fundamental to the human heart, to the human psyche. We don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't want to be lied to, and we shouldn't. It's interesting the way the Lord has 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, which deals with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that at the very end of the chapter, it talks about this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is describing someone whose life is not typified by depression. It's not typified by anxiety. It's not typified by uh, this, this attitude of defeat and I can't and everything's terrible. It's not typified by sadness. It's not typified. And it's not that we're always bubbly. This is just someone who is steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding. It doesn't mean you're always successful. It means that you're always able to go forward by faith. And oftentimes, this is where we want the answers. We think, I've got this issue in my life. I've got this relationship problem. I've got this money problem. I've got this mental health issue or this thing in my brain that won't turn off. Or, or I've got this problem or that problem. Or I need guidance in life. And what do I do next? And oftentimes, we want the answers or we want to live the life in verse 58. We want to abound. We want to be steadfast. We want to, we want to go forward and we want to know that our life is not being spent in vain. We're not being scammed by some kind of religious teaching or some kind of belief. We want to have purpose. But notice it's at the end of the chapter. There's a reason why the Bible is not just a list of, if you have this relationship problem, then you should do this. If you have this kind of problem, you should do this. If you have this, then they should do this. And then ba ba beep ba 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 If you want to feel better, you should do this. I practiced that all week, by the way. You guys need to help me out. I'm trying hard up here. There we go. The fact of the matter is the practical things of victory are foundationally built upon doctrines. There's a reason why when we believe in Jesus Christ and follow him, that our faith is not in vain. There's a reason why we can live victorious. There's a reason why we can have hope. There's a reason why we can have joy and peace. There's a reason why our life can have purpose. There's a reason why we can keep going forward in life. It doesn't mean bad things don't happen. It means we can go through them and be more spiritually healthy and stronger on the other side. There's a reason why. And it's not mind tricks. It's not believing myths. It's not some kind of magical voodoo, or it's not just, listen, it's not what the world teaches us where we are just being ignorant and trying to live in this tiny little bubble that we create for ourselves. It's because our faith is founded on the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen. And that's what the entire chapter of chapter 15 is about. When we find ourselves struggling with going forward in life, with finding purpose, with knowing what to do next. We have to go back to the resurrection. Because in the resurrection is the answer. And we're going to look at a few things today. First of all, let's go back to Let's go back to chapter 15 and verse 1. 
We covered this last week, and I won't take the time to re-preach what we talked about last week. But we know the Apostle Paul here is coming to them, and they're struggling. They're struggling in their faith. Because someone is teaching them that there isn't a resurrection of the dead. Meaning, no one is going to rise from the dead. When you die, you're dead. That's what they're teaching. And so the Apostle Paul is specifically, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God is telling him what to write down and what to say, addressing this doubt. When we have doubts, we have to go back to the resurrection. About anything. About Christianity. We go back to the resurrection. We learned last week, he went back to two things. He went back to the gospel, which we find, beginning in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Notice in verse three, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel in a nutshell. This is one of the earliest creeds, if not the first creed, of Christianity, which was uh, kind of a compact little saying that how they transferred truth. We live in a very um, uh, uh, literature-driven society nowadays where everything is written down, right? And, and, you, and everybody can read and you can write it down and it's written and you say, where was that written? Well, back then, there were only some people that could read. And so one of the ways that they transmitted truth from one generation to another or from one group to another or from person to person was through something called a creed. And this was one of the earliest creeds. And it says that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. It is fact that he died, but we have to understand why he died. He died for our sins. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. He died for our sins. We will stand before God for our sins, for the actions, for the thoughts, for the words, for the choices. We will stand before God. We are accountable before God for what we've done in this body, whether those things be good or whether they will be bad. There is no excuse that is going to get you out of that. There's no one that you can blame. Our God is a just God. Our God is a holy God. Our God is not biased. Our God does not show favoritism. And the way that we know that he doesn't show favoritism is that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of the whole world, not just for the sins of an individual group or particular ethnicity or a particular time period. And then it says that he was buried And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And this is where he really introduces the next 57, 58 verses or the entirety really of the entire chapter. And he goes off on the resurrection and he begins to talk about Christ rose from the dead. And then he gives a couple of proofs and we'll look at a few of these proofs and talk about if Christ be not raised how can we have victory in this life? How can we have be steadfast? We have to go back to the resurrection. Well, how do we know the resurrection is true? And so we're going to talk about some of the proofs, and then we'll get into a little bit of if Christ be not raised. 
And so we can see here, it says in verse number four, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now we're going to look at those scriptures. Christ rose from the dead because it was prophesied that he should do so. Now we're going to see the significance of that fact that he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. Acts 2, if you would. Acts 2. Pastor, I have doubts. Pastor, I'm not sure. Pastor, I need guidance. Question, question. Did Christ rise from the dead? Yes, he did. Did he rise from the dead according to the scriptures? Yes, he did. That, that, that those couple of extra listen, words in your Bible are not a mistake. They're not a couple of extra things. Look, have, have, has, those of you who, in the family who may do the cooking, have you ever gotten carried away with the spices? Gotten carried away with the salt, the pepper, gotten carried away with the, with the, with the peppery, spicy stuff. I have to, my wife's in here and, and I've got to tell on her just for a second. She is an amazing cook and many of you have, have been privileged to have some of the things that she's baking, cooking, sweet, savory, she does it all. When we were first married, when we lived in Nepal, we were only married maybe three years at this time. Um, again, amazing cook. We're gonna have these incredible nachos. Man, the nacho story. You guys never forget the nacho story. And so she's cooking the chicken on the stovetop in the, in the pan. And she's thinking, well, I need to make this a little spicy. Give it a little bit of flavor. Well, over in Nepal, where we lived at the time, there was limited supplies. Not of chili peppers. They had plenty of those. We thought, but that's going to be a little too hot to throw in a couple of chilies. Mm. So she went to the fridge and grabbed a bottle of hot sauce and put in the whole bottle. It was Tabasco. Have you ever had shredded chicken on nachos that has been marinated and cooked in Tabasco sauce? Even come quickly, Lord Jesus. When you took a bite, it burned all the way down. Medical people know how many twists and turns there are in the small and the large intestine. I don't know, but I felt every one of them. Here's corner number three, and there's corner number four, and there it goes. Help us all. Okay, now listen, friend. In your Bible, God does not just put in extra words for fun. He's not trying to spice it up. Every word of God is pure, the Bible says. Jesus said that, there, that a jot or a tittle will not pass, Right? Every single dot of an I and cross of a T in English. Okay? Every single... So when it's saying that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he's trying to say there's a mountain of evidence in the Old Testament that points to this. This is not just a one-off... Oh, by the way, if somebody wants to tell you there's this guy, Jesus, and he died on the cross and then they kind of made up a religion about what he did a couple hundred years afterwards and that's how we got Christianity. False! How do we know? Because he died according to the scriptures. There are hundreds of previous years and a mountain of uh, prophetic evidence that says this was going to happen. It wasn't just a one-off thing in history where they decided to come up with a religion about it. Amen. 
Okay? This is not just, we're not following a giant scam. God does not want us to be scammed. How do we know that we've not been scammed? Because of the mountain of prophetic evidence. Now, we're not going to take the time to go through the crucifixion part of it. But we're just going to look at one or two for the resurrection itself. So notice in Acts 2 and verse 24. Peter's preaching about Jesus. Amen. Preachers ought to preach Christ. It's good. Verse 22, he begins, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, now he makes it personal, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh, notice David's hope rested in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And we'll look at that in just a moment. Uh, Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now take your Bible. Uh, Okay, let's read a few more verses. Verse 28, we'll go down to verse 32. Verse 28, thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, speaking of David, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. Who spoke of the resurrection of Christ? David. Okay? And we'll look at that verse in just a moment. That his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. We'll look at the witnesses here in just a moment. What was Peter preaching? He was preaching salvation through Jesus Christ alone. He preached his death and why he died. He preached his resurrection. But then he preached his resurrection according to the scriptures. It was prophesied that this would happen. Dude, uh, let's look at Psalm 16 in your Bible. Psalm 16. We live in an age of doubt, my friends. We live in a day, a day, a, a, an, an age of doubt, an age of scams, an, an age where it's difficult to trust completely what we're seeing. Is this real or is this computer generated? Seriously. Right? And by the way, that's the genius of God for Jesus not to have come to the world in this day and age. Because we, somebody could have sat there with their iPhone and videoed him dying. And they could have gone straight to the empty tomb. Right? How much, how, much, how much larger would the doubts have been with video possibility? They would have been much, much greater. 
uh, Psalm 16. Look with me in verse number eight. Notice verse seven. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. My flesh, he's talking about his hope. David has hope. Why? Because he goes into the, into the promise of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Now this is the prophecy of Jesus himself. This, this is the prophecy of Christ rising from the dead. Thou will not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Notice the capitalization in your Bible of the holy one to see corruption. Okay. In, in Jewish culture, it was considered your body was starting to corrupt. And uh, after, after three days, that's why he rose three days and three nights after his crucifixion. Thou will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. Thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Prophesied that he would rise from the dead. He rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And there are many other references that we could look at in, uh, in, in sometimes uh, in, in the Old Testament. But for sake of time, we're going to move on. And But let's also notice that there were prophecies that he was going to rise from the dead. But then also notice Jesus prophesied himself that he was going to rise from the dead. Notice in Matthew 16 and verse 21 in your Bible. Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. We can also read in Luke 9.22 saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Okay, now let's do another, uh, a few more verses and we'll move on. Deuteronomy 18 Deuteronomy 18. Okay, preacher, we get it. Let's move on. Whoop, hold up. How about, we, how about we take the time to stomp the life out of those doubts? Amen. Those doubts that we have flittering through our mind, and some of us, some of us really struggle with doubts. We've got somebody that's saying something, or we watched the YouTube, or we've got this suggestion, or we've got that, or maybe we saw a book, or we saw some famous person that's mocking Christianity. Hmm, maybe it's not true. Let's take the time and go back to the resurrection, and let's stop those doubts to death. Because why? Because that's what the Apostle Paul did when the Corinthian church was doubting. The Apostle Paul did not say, no, come on, guys, trust me. Did he say that? No, he wrote 58 verses and gave them a mountain of evidence to deal with their doubts. Because remember, we're going back to to verse number 58. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, how can I do that? When I have these doubts, okay, well, let's deal with the doubts. And then you can be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Is that true? 
Why don't we live a life of steadfastness? Why aren't we abounding in the work of the Lord? Why do we often stumble and fall and not live the way that we should? Because of doubts, because of temptation, right? We have to go back to this foundational truth of the resurrection of Christ. He rose again according to the scriptures. We saw the prophecy of this, but then also we're going to take a moment to look at Jesus himself also was a prophet. He prophesied of his own resurrection on the third day. Deuteronomy 18. Man, this is good right here. I love this stuff. Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22. Deuteronomy 18. Look at 15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet. Capital P. Who's that talking about? Everybody say it. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. The Lord God is going to raise up a prophet. Capital P. Capitalized indicates deity. Right? The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, meaning from the, the children of Israel. He's going to be a Hebrew. He's going to be an Israelite from some of you. This is a prophecy. Did, it come, did this come true in Jesus Christ? Yes, it absolutely did. He was of the tribe of Judah, right? Amen. All right. Uh, from the midst of thee of thy brethren, like unto me, according, uh, unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God and Horeb in the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, they have well spoken that which, which they, uh, sorry, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. So he's, he's going back to the time at the, this is about um, 40 years after they got the 10 commandments. So he's referencing that time. So he's going back in the story and he's telling them, um, uh, that they didn't want to come up to the mountain to see God. They were too scared, right? That's what he's talking about. This is a rehearsing. And so he's going back to the promise. Verse 18, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee and will put my words in his mouth. If God is saying that about the prophet, capital P, then the words that Jesus spoke are the words of God. Do we see that? Are we drawing that connection? Again, if somebody tries to tell us, well, those gospels, that's not really the Bible. That's not really trustworthy as God's word. Ah, that's not true whatsoever. Notice how we're constantly having to deal with doubts about God's word, about the foundational truth and doctrines of God's word. Did he rise from the dead? Absolutely. Listen, friend. Do not lie to yourself and go to one of these churches that give some fake little get, get better and feel better talks and call it preaching. If they do not stand in front of you with God's word and declare unto you, thus saith the Lord, that's not a church. Where's the life? The life comes from the prophet, capital P. And the capital P prophet, Jesus Christ himself. The words that are in his mouth were God's words. I'm going to put the words into his mouth. And that gives me life. How does it give me life? Because when he died, he rose from the dead. And he's alive to make those words alive. Amen. He's alive to make those words alive. Nowadays in Rome and Italy, they're not following the rules back from the ancient Roman Empire. Why? Because the Roman Empire is dead and gone. 
There's nobody living to enforce it. And when I read the word of God and it fires me up and helps me with my faith and, and it says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That fills me full of spiritual strength and faith that helps me to go forward. Why? Because he's alive and he's doing that for me. It's not me conjuring it up for myself. It's not me believing a myth. It's not me believing some little inspirational words in the morning. It's the living Christ himself. So when you hear the preacher, you hear a, a, a mature believer say, read your Bible. Oh, but I just feel sad. Oh, but I just, I just, I just can't. Oh, I just want to feel better. Read the words of God. Where? Anywhere. Because when I read them, he's talking to me. Well, that doesn't make sense. I got to catch my breath. It doesn't make sense. But it does make sense. It makes sense to us that a living person can talk to us. It makes sense that we receive a text message and it's like, oh, a living person who goes by that name has a phone and they just sent that to me. Right? Our God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Man, these lights are messed up, eh? <laughs> Notice what it says. Verse 18. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, like to Moses, right? Comparing it to him to Moses. And will put, but a greater than Moses is here. Remember that? Remember Jesus said that? Amen. That's good. And I like that too. Um, and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Notice the obedient servanthood of Jesus Christ prophesied here. Was he the obedient servant of Jehovah God? Yes. Was he Jehovah God in the flesh? Yes, he was. And the words that he spoke. By the way, you say, well, how do I know that the Bible is trustworthy? Because Jesus quoted from nearly every book of the Old Testament. And if he quoted it and he called it the word of God, then I can trust it that it is the word of God. Well, what proof is there that the Bible is really the word of God? He rose from the dead. If he rose from the dead, he'd be a liar. If he didn't rise from the dead, he'd be a liar. He'd be an imposter. Well, how do we know that? According to the scriptures. Let's look at them. And this is where it shows us that. Verse 19. And it shall come to pass. That whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name. Notice this. This, this corroborates with the New Testament. 100%. I will require it of him. Jesus said in his ministry, he said, my words will judge you in the last day. Where did he get that from? Right here. Because he was the living son of God. Man, I love this stuff. Verse 20, but the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word? Oh, friends, don't miss this. Don't miss this. We're almost done. But don't miss this part. Don't miss it. How shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? 
when a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, meaning he's done it of his own self. It's not from God. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. But here's the contrasting thing. If somebody says they are from God and they do a prophecy and the prophecy comes true, guess what? That prophet is true and they are speaking from God. So when Jesus said, I'm going to rise on the third day, he absolutely proved that he was that prophet. Amen. He absolutely proved that he was God's son. He absolutely proved that we can trust the word of God. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. (laughs) Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When I believe him, when I follow him, when I sacrifice, when I believe and nobody else believes. It's not in vain. It's not worthless. It's not emptiness. It's not lies. It's not a scam. How do I know it's not a scam? Because he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. Thousands of years of proofs that stack up to tell me you can trust him. You can go on. You don't have to quit. You can be the Christian that God wants you to be. You can be the mother God wants you to be. You can be the father God wants you to be and the husband and the wife. You can be the Christian for your church that God wants you to be. In whatever life stage you find yourself, whatever kind of situation you find yourself, whatever kind of challenges you find yourself, off with the world, the world passeth away, but the, but the, but the, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will, he, he, he's going to live forever. And we can trust his word. It's not a scam. We're not being hoodwinked. When the devil comes to us and tempts us and says, you need to give up, you need to quit. You can't do this. This is too big. What do we go back to? We don't go back to our education. We don't go back to, uh, listen, we don't go back to the time that we felt really good in church. We go back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. I didn't do that, by the way. I don't know what just happened. Let's not allow it to distract us, though. I have a question. Jesus proved through his death and resurrection that he is God's son. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Every one of us born a sinner, really. It's a part of our nature. We fight it. We try to do the right thing, but we fail. We're not trying to please God and get into heaven by being a good person. We need someone to save us. And the only person qualified to save us was the one who died on the cross for our sin and rose again according to the scriptures. And that's Jesus Christ. Have you admitted that you're a sinner? Have you admitted, as it says in the Old Testament and New Testament, that we will be judged for the things done in our body 
whether they be good or whether they be bad. Have you admitted that's true? If you're, if you're being honest with yourself, you know that's true. Many times we're about to do something really wrong, really bad, very sinful, and our conscience tells us there's judgment for that. There's judgment for that. Sometimes we listen, sometimes we don't. And we will be judged. You say, well, what must I do to escape the judgment? We must trust Christ. That's what the cross was. He endured the judgment of God for you. He took your place. He was your substitute. So the choice is either I'm going to trust in the substitute that God has chosen, Jesus Christ, or I'm going to stand before God for myself. The wages of sin is death. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The choice there is either believe on Jesus Christ, give him your heart, trust him today, or perish. Those are the two choices. What proof is that? The resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ proves that statement to be true. Because only God himself could come back to life after human beings have killed his body. Who else has the power to bring themselves back to life? Only God does. Have you trusted him today? Have you admitted the truth of that? If you know that you're saved, you say, Pastor Corey, if I died today, I know for sure that I'd go to heaven. No one's looking around. Everyone is, is, their head is bowed, their eyes are closed. You say, I know for sure that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand up? Just slip your hand up. I know for sure that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. You say, Pastor, I don't know. If I died today, I have some doubt. And I'd like for you to pray for me. I will not embarrass you in any way. I will not ask you to stand up. I will not ask you to say anything. I will not come and get you. I just want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, if I I die today, I have some doubt. Is there anybody like that? Would you slip your hand up? I have some doubt. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I have some doubt. I don't know. Christian, are you living a life, not not of perfection, but are you living a life that is steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? Are you living a life of doubt and fear? Has God helped you this morning by pointing the root cause is that we must stand strong on the truth of the resurrection. I'd like for us to take just a moment right there in your seat. Now is the time to pray and talk to God.
I'd like for us to stand, please. Everybody stand up. Everybody standing. We'll have a closing prayer and a chorus. If there's something that you would like further, a further conversation about, we can take the time to, to talk to you privately and show you from the scripture if you have some doubt about your salvation or if you'd like to go know God on a personal level. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for an opportunity, Lord, to study your scripture and how you breathe faith into us. When we take the time to look at what you are saying to us in your word, the evidence is overwhelming that you died on the cross for our sin and that you rose from the dead according to the scripture. Not to mention all the people that saw you alive. And God, I pray for the one that raised their hand that they are not sure that they're saved. I pray that they would receive assurance of their salvation. Help them to understand. And God, for those who may have been a little timid, maybe they didn't understand the question, God, please help them as well. God, as believers, help us to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Help us to find our strength and our faith, rooted and grounded in the fact and the truth that you rose from the dead that no matter what the doubts are, no matter what the fears or the accusations, you rose from the dead and we can be steadfast. We can be the person that you want us to be. We can live the life that you want us to live. Bless us as we go. Give us a good week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing our song together. I love you, Lord. Ready? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We are dismissed.